So often the uh, questions or things that come up in our mind or are presented uh, in interviews and so on is how how does one live in the world? Mm. Major question, isn't it? How does one integrate? <coughs> and the simple answer, if you don't disintegrate, you, you integrate. So just try to stop disintegrating into splitting up. Yeah. Letting the heart get split into time and future and should and ought to and things to do and things out there. It's like having a good pair of arms. <coughs> we need the legs what get us connected to the ground. Yeah. It's really important to get good legs. You haven't got good legs, your arms always you're always gonna be coming out of balance. Everything you grab hold of is gonna pull you over, isn't it? Unless you get good legs. Yeah. All the arms in the world aren't gonna <laughs> be as good as a good pair of legs when it comes down to actually getting stable and getting balanced. Arms don't know about that. That's legs job. And so often we lose our legs. Yeah. We become hands and arms and eyes reaching out and often we have very good intentions you know, to help and to make things work and to improve things. If you lose your legs, you keep toppling over and then you become part of the snowball, part of the part of that ongoing uh, volitional sankara dance, patching and fixing and binding and fumbling and asking, saying sorry about that and trying to do better next time and this and that and the other. Um, you know, so often that immediate move into volition to do something has to be paused. It has to come back into your legs, into the ground, into here we are. Yeah. <clears throat> you do this many times, many times. You get the changing the reflex, re-educating the reflex. To first reflex is wait, pause, just check. Deliberate, first of all, very deliberate, consciously practicing it. Yeah. Any old time of day, stop for 10 seconds. You know, build in those pause moments before you have something to eat in the middle of your meal, end of your meal, get, you know, just build them in, play with it. Just to feel that push towards the next moment. What if there isn't a next moment? This is why we really practice mindfulness of, of death and the Buddha, you know, saying, well, to practice this adequately means that uh, you practice with every inhalation. Like this is the last one. You might not even get to the end of the inhalation. Now imagine if it's like that. 
Isn't that last inhalation really sweet? <laughs> Isn't that last exhalation really, oh, just let it all go? Isn't that, you know, oh, an inhalation, oh, an exhalation, oh, you know? So you really see how the time thing is, is not just even clocks, it's, it's a built-in reflex of becoming, sticking one moment to what, to the next. And there isn't a next, really. You know, we generate a next moment. So building in that, that pause reflex, helping to deliberately work on the volitional twitch. You know. So, and then conscious, you know, once you've got the ground, when you've established, here I am, what feels right. Again, keeping the volition, the intention, the motivation, the area, keep it in the heart. First of all, just let it, so you build it up slowly. And when we retreat, you can do this. You don't have to jump into the thought immediately. That will come in its own good time. Remember, your thoughts are perhaps the stupidest part of your body. <laughs> Because they're, <laughs> they're old, you know, they're, they're prefabricated. They're not really of the present moment. You know, they're not really, they're learnt, aren't they? So you want to illuminate those thoughts by letting them come from the heart. Often not very clear, just the first movement. But really getting the, fee- the felt sense in the heart, rather than jumping out. So here we are, and then the impression, the impact of experience touching us, and then how do I get to be with this? How do I accommodate this sense? How do I, you know, find myself widening to to hold this sense of what's being said or heard or remembered or read or complained or you know, whatever's going on, sometimes not very agreeable stuff and often quite stuff that's easy to react to. How am I with that? With your own thoughts, your own memories, your own uh, self-criticism, your own wish I'd done that. Oh, how do I accommodate this? You stay in the heart. Then how am I with this? Try to stay at the feeling level of it rather than go into the excuses, the apologies, uh, and so forth, the verbal stuff, and the felt sense of, oh, that's sad, that's disappointing, feel awkward about that, or feel interested, eager with that. Wow, that's a great idea. Okay, that's fine. This isn't censorship, it's just holding it carefully. So the good intentions, the good wishes, holding it carefully Right, now you're complete with that. What seems to be about the right thing from there? So then you come to the thought coming up into your arms, if you like, the arms of arms of your heart. You know, the, the doing it bit. But it, those have no longer disconnected, you know, no longer sort of impulsive, but collected 
and maybe in that process of holding experience in the heart, we've filtered out the what am I, why should I, how dare they, this isn't what am I supposed to, I'm never going to get this right, and all that sort of stuff, and just, mm-hmm. <laughs> feeling, you know, the feeling is one of disturbed or stirred, okay, What's the first thing? How am I with this? Perhaps with it's just acknowledge feeling stirred, feeling happy, feeling excited, feeling a lot to do. You know, senses, the sankharas, contact impressions. Contact impressions. Mm-hmm. Contact is sankhara. Yeah. Contact impressions. Before that moves into mental volition, holding the contact impression. Not trying to stop it, but just holding it carefully. Staying, stay, stay, till it filters and you get something simple, clear. Maybe it's the time now just to say, oh, I think I'll begin again. Oh, maybe I just need to step back for a moment. You know, the first things are often just things to to really maintain the sense of in, integrity rather than moving forward. Like maybe the first thing to say is, oh, I'm sorry about that. Oh, you know, or just that moment we acknowledge what's going on verbally, and then what are we going to do about it? <coughs> so it's essential that this, uh, we have this integration process rather than disintegration. Yeah. And then we're just meeting the moment, moment at a time. This movement into into action that isn't just a kind of reflex volition, mental volition, karma. So how did the how does Buddhas act? How do Buddhas act in the world? Yeah. Beings who've seen through it all, how do they act in the world? Why do they act in the world? Why don't they just say, beats me, not my problem? <laughs> Why do they bother? How do they bother without getting into some strategy how to spread Buddhism to all, all and sundry, how to build monasteries, how to set up programs, libraries, courses, to, you know, you know, administration, staff, so forth. <laughs> how do they manage to keep it simple? Because <laughs> they come from, come from the heart and trust, trust that. So, you know, sometimes it seems kind of cold. You know, they talk about ceasing and, and, and destroying and breaking up, but really what's being sort of breaking up the, the chains and the fetters, breaking up the compulsive reflexes, the locked stuff. Hmm? Saying, well, If you do that, then the heart naturally starts to shine and radiate. Mm. If you 
take away the fetters, the heart shines and radiates. You know, the great uh, quality of what's the baseline of it, the great quality of the Buddha is the Anukampa. Mm. This is why he teaches. You look in the chanting, it says, Pachima Janata Anukampa. Janata, birth, Pachima, future, Anukampa. Or Pachima means that which is yet to come. So it's translated future generations, out of compassion for future generations. So do you think the Buddha's thinking of what's going to happen in Barry, Massachusetts, 2,500 years' time? <laughs> Better make sure we get it down to cover that possibility. You know how we can worry about that. Yeah. But uh, it's just the recognition, the sense of the potency of the liberated heart to spread through time and space. Anukampa means to resonate with out of a sense of sympathy, primal sympathy. And this is the fundamental quality of Buddha in the, when the Buddha is activated, you know, he comes into rest state, Nibbana, just letting everything rest, yeah, and then recognition of other human beings, of a world, of suffering, then sort of switching on, you know, so potentially is, is then warmed up. And what's that? It's called Anokampa. So in the, um, in the legends then, Brahma Sahampati, after the Buddha's enlightenment, comes down and kneels on one knee and asks the Buddha to teach the Dhamma out of Anukampa. So he knew what to do to switch the Buddha on, as it were. <laughs> so Brahma Sahampati is uh, the figure called the Pati is a father, so it's the great overlord of the, of the cosmos. Yeah. You can make of that what you like, but it's some overarching sense of the awareness of the entire mass of, you know, beings in in the in the compounded universe. And recognition of that descends into the Buddha's mind, realizes you know, the 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 vastness of sentient beings. If you look at it in a psychological sense, then you could say just this awareness of the the vastness, the vast range of sentient beings, the vast field of sentiency that we're in, being touched by that and the resonance, resonance with that. And this is where the Buddha's boundless uh, energy uh, to teach, so he just starts, I don't know what to do, but I'll start walking off to Varanasi, because that's where it looks like I could meet my friends and perhaps they be open. So, uh, you know, he didn't have a teaching worked out then. He didn't have a strategy. First person he taught, he didn't really get it right. He just said to the first person he met, well, I'm the enlightened one and I have seen it through it all and my deliverance is complete or something like that. And the fellow said, well, good. 
good for good luck, good for you. But it wasn't, you know, it's true, but it wasn't actually, you know, useful. So then his second time, okay, let's try again. <laughs> Meeting people you can recognize, uh-huh, and then just resonating with their predicament. Their predicament is ascetics. He's saying, look, you are spiritual seekers. There are two things, that we, places where you're getting it wrong. One is through denial, self-mortification, trying to wipe things out. The other is through tipping over, indulgence, getting caught up in things. So find your balance. It's like stand on your feet, stop tipping over. And get your legs down on the ground. <laughs> you know, rather than pulling back or pushing forwards, get here. And then recognition of this wave that hits when we touch ground. The wave of... Uh, of both beauty and aspiration that comes up, a sense of clarity and purpose, a sense of hearness. And then as you find hearness, you find, wow, I'm here with this. And all this stuff comes tumbling out the closet. The energies, the volitional tendencies, not necessarily ghastly by any means, but things that get us going. Isn't this the way it is? The more here you get, then the more potential it is to pull things out from your karmic field that need to be understood, contemplated, met, resolved. Mm. Mm. Just to recognize that uh, that resolution comes primarily from the heart the fullness, the sadha, the fullness of heart. And then the movement of, of into, from the compassion, kindness, goodwill, gladness, and equanimity, the Brahma-vihara. These are the ways in which our actions have to be guided. Yeah. So you stay in touch, whatever we do, say or don't say, physically do or don't do, you know, it always stays connected to the heart quality of, of goodwill, uh, compassion, gladness, and equanimity. That's the way it is. And that's the goodwill is, is, the, is the basic quality, the willingness, the willingness to be present with goodwill rather than recoiling from or you know we're willing to be present with a willing welcoming quality you could say and something flowing into nourishment we come from a place where we're willing we're not resisting and we're not and then we feel quality willing turning and overflowing into the wish to nourish and support and give to others Metta. Staying here with that, staying grounded with that, feeling it, enjoying it. We don't have to do anything right now. Just touch into how that that naturally occurs. Almost a fundamental, what else are we doing in our lives? Really? Well, of course, you could say there's a lot of things we're doing in our lives other than that. But when you're really integrating, 
if you want to find what to be doing, how is you, you always come back to what allows that quality to manifest. What allows that that quality to, to trickle into speech and actions? What allows that quality to to have it express itself? It doesn't matter whether you're banging nails in wood or doing a computer program, whatever you begin to remember, is this for the welfare of others? Yeah. Is it coming from my heart? And just being careful to always keep, you know, coming back to your feet on the ground so it doesn't become tip over into I've got to do this. They want me to do this. It's my job to do this. It's my duty to do this. They need me to do this. <laughs> this is when you lose your feet. Where they want you to do it, where they need it, you're doing it because it's natural. Yeah. So that you always come back to, I want to do this. <laughs> yeah. It's a natural expression. And then it doesn't really matter. You're not looking, looking at quantity, we're looking at quality. Even if it's just the gracious openness to listen is your, is your generous offering. Compassion is when we meet the suffering and dissonance experience. So compassion always goes wrong when we worry or get agitated or sorrowing around things. And that's a very easy slip, you know, where it transfers to merging with the painful. In metta, you, the, 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 when we lose our ground, we merge with the, you know, the person or the thing we're feeling kind towards. You start to merge with it, and then you get sort of, you know, caught attached. Mm. And then the person, you know, doesn't get better or doesn't appreciate it. Then we, oh, it didn't work. Compassion, when we merge with pain, painful, then we just feel worried and sad. And then you just come back into your, onto your feet again. You know, what is it like to meet the painful, the difficult, the problematic, the incurable? There's a sense, compassion is the awareness, I like to think of it as the awareness of helplessness. If we stop, trying to fix and change things as that reflex, feel it's our job, our duty, then you always keep coming, disengaging those reflexes. You come back to just the heart opening with compassion, which is the sense of sharing and um, taking in the painful. You know, one of the things that I guess some of you who do, you know, work with people in distress or in hospices and so forth, you know, how it's easy to see, you know, death as a sort of a problem or as a, something that shouldn't be happening. 
It's more of a problem it didn't happen, wouldn't it be a real problem? Nobody died. Just bodies stacked up on top of each other. <laughs> and then, you know, I don't want you to die because it makes me feel unhappy. Well, you know, sorry about that. <laughs> you know, when we've, we've merged with that which we, which, we're, which we see as suffering, we merge with it. Compassion is not that. It's uh, keep your ground where you are and let the heart receive the painful, the uncomfortable. And, you know, just like we're receiving our own pain and discomfort, physical pain and discomfort, you, you know, you can do what you can with it, but eventually you just have to widen open and accept it. Be with that. That's your first thing. And then, you know, from there, having made peace with that, having calmed the reflex twitch or the something wrong, then obviously appropriate action, your arms could come into play after that. You, you do what's suitable. But it's coming, and this is, I don't know, but your heart will know what feels, what it naturally wants to express compassion. This is very fundamental. I remember a story is offered to you, a woman, a friend of mine who worked in a, uh, or she was on call as a, her her thing was when people were um, in their dying process, she would be called upon and she'd just come and be with them. Maybe they talk, or she'd just sit there, or people who could walk a little bit, they might walk a little bit, or she'd just sit there with them in their process, in their dying process, just experience, sensing, here I am, open, in compassion, you don't have to be anything for me, I'm happy to be here, being with you. Mm-hmm. Just that was her thing. <laughs> you know, and it was very peaceful, and the person who was in dying could actually feel that sense of something steady and peaceful, and organize, feel their hearts organize around that, and derive benefit from it. Mm-hmm. And one day she got this call that the, the woman had died giving birth to a baby and the baby itself was, was dying. So they said, would you come over? You know, the, the, the father is there. So you just come over and be here. So she had, she, okay, you come over. Mother's dead. Baby's dying. Father's completely shattered. You know, just being there in presence in that. And she said, well, you know, and then she sat there for a while and then she said to the father, would you like to, maybe you should just even touch, touch the little baby who was on its way out. So he, he didn't, he was so shocked, he didn't know what to do. So he said, oh, can I do that? Yeah, sure. So he lifted his hand up to, moved his hand over to touch the little one and as his hand drew close, the little one just lifted his finger enough to touch, touch the father's hand, and then it died. They said, that was, that was his one movement, was that, you know. 
So just how how healing, you know, for that for the father, for everything, just the recognition of just touching is already compassion, isn't it? It's already you know, whether you die after one hour of life, a year of life, ten years of life, hundred years of life, <laughs> it's really just degrees, isn't it? And just to experience a touch that is just the sense of connecting and uh, sharing and being with and receiving. That's the touch of compassion. And it doesn't do anything on one level, apart from the important thing is we, we sense, it's like our hearts which are so, the real pain, the, only, the real pain is separation, is lost. You're stuck in your thing. You don't have to be physically dying for that. You can be living in it. Lost, stuck, out of, out of contact, out of touch, out of touch with others, out of touch with oneself. And when we get shocked or panicked or worried or despairing, whatever, we feel, oh, helpless, no ground on my own. That is the thing that can be cured. It's maybe the, the fundamental thing that can be cured. And it's not really about, you know, uh, changing, fixing, you know, it's just about the touch of compassion, of uh, becoming present with that. That's what's there with death doesn't stop, but suffering stops. That's something that can happen. You know how separation occurs, you know how you, we all experience it as I feel other people don't like me, I feel judged, I feel I'm not as good as the rest, I feel people don't understand me, I feel, there it is. I feel unappreciated, I feel not connected, I feel, that's how, there it is. I feel out of it, I don't feel with this, there it is. And we can even, you know, with our external situations, situations, even internally, I don't know how to handle my my stuff. I don't know how to handle my discontent, or my jealousy, or my fears, or whatever. I don't know how to handle them, how to change them into something more useful, better, more stop, stop. You know, you've already gone too far. First of all, find your ground. Here you are, being with one's fears, judgmental attitudes, jealousies, bitterness, being with, softening, widening, being with that. Let the heart, and don't go into the thinking about it, but just feel the feeling of that. And there will be that, there's a point in which something goes, oh, you know, and you can call it realization of not self, although that probably takes you up into your head, or understanding the sankara, probably even further into your head. <laughs> so, 
essentially there's, a, there's, a, there's something drops and you realize there's a membrane of separation that's built up there that's trying to stop me really having this experience come in. It's kind of standing between my wish for what I would be and this thing that's there that I don't really like. Doesn't, not so nice, not very, you know. That's the membrane that is to dissolve. There's compassion. We don't merge with the pain, find our ground. So again, the, 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 the loss of separation doesn't mean merging either. It means deeply resonating with, because you don't want to tip over into it. You hold your ground, you hold your hearness, you stay with that, and just something happens as you, when you accept the turbulence but instead of going into the turbulence or closing it down, you feel the ground, you feel the hearness, and it acts like a, like a lightning conductor, like a lightning rod. It discharges. Wholeness discharges fragmentation. Gladness, mudita, uh, the ability to feel pleased, contented, uplifted, uh, the welfare, the good fortune of others, rather than comparing oneself with. Mm. Appreciating skillful deeds. Mm. Appreciating one's own skillful deeds. Mudita to oneself, to others as to myself. So feeling the gladness of being able to open to the beauty of the good karma that we do, that occurs, happens. Now we can sometimes feel either we don't notice it, or if we shouldn't notice it, you don't want to get proud about all these things, or because <laughs> it gets interpreted as self, but just realizing that the beauty that we're in, a human being, and you see it in yourself and you see it in others, you see the, the beauty that we're in. The, there's nothing, you know, human beings will do the most amazing things for each other. So it's quite awesome actually, just how, how big the heart can get. So it's very important to cultivate and lay the grounds down for cultivating mudita. And particularly rather than just as a one-off event, but we begin to sense the field of human generosity and goodwill that becomes manifest whenever it's possible. <laughs> you know, people by, when they're not messed up, under pressure, you know, squeezed out, dehumanized, disconnected, it comes welling up all the time. Goodwill. So certainly in my own life it's been quite astonishing just the amount of spontaneous goodwill 
and uh, skillful, uh, skillful uh, mental states, skillful activities. People seem to manifest, you know, <laughs> you know, and generosity and care and so forth. Because there's no obligation. Something about, you know, the Buddha himself called an incomparable Sangha, incomparable field of merit. You know, people who practice correctly, who stay on the ground, who stay with that, they seem to, something seems to generate around that. It begins to deconstruct the tensions, the fears, the apprehensiveness of other beings. And then naturally this quality of goodwill comes in. You can really trust that. Once you begin to see that, it gives you a strong sense of the most important thing is to stay connected to your own goodness and ne- never lose it, whatever's going on. And when you're with people who are difficult, try to see the goodness in them. Relate to the sanity rather than the craziness. Sometimes it's a little bit difficult, admittedly. <laughs> and then upeka, equanimity, the ability to widen to include the whole karmic field, both the skillful and the unskillful. There's process, something to be learnt here, something to be released here, something to be accepted here, something to be left speechless by, that we don't know. We can't justify, we can't dismiss, we can't you know, and this is very important because sometimes, you know, dis- despair gets more convincing than optimism. <laughs> and you can believe in that. But with equanimity, you can, you can experience despair, but you don't have to believe in it. Yeah, you look around, yeah, plenty, yeah. I get that too. But rather than tip over into it, a statistical overload on just about every global issue you can come up with. (laughs) Well, does that, for my welfare, for anyone's welfare, just to tip over into that? I don't think so. Takes a little more to say, well, trust the goodness, trust the emerging, and tune into that bring up that, deepen that, deepen access to that. What else is there to do? This really takes the, these are all wonderful ideas, but it takes the resource of the heart to do that. We can't just do it from good ideas, noble intentions, noble aspirations. You could have the resource of the heart do that, and it will do that. But the primary thing is to Keep connected to the ground and build it up slowly. It's very natural, particularly you come into your last week or so of retreat, and think, what should you do about the rest of my life or the rest of your life? 
You sure? You, there's going to be a rest of your life. You might be dead tomorrow. <laughs> so you keep that one there. Yeah, and then really, what if that's the case, what's really important right now? What's really important right now? If that's the case, this is the last day. What's really important right now? Some something to be forgiven. Do it now. Something to be let go of. Let go of it now. <laughs> Something to feel grateful for, do it now. Yeah. Complete now. Complete every day. So you start to look and you filter down. What really was the bit about that event? You get down to it, you know. Right. What is the really the bit about that project that I've got in mind? What's really the core piece of that project that I hope to be able to do for the next 10 years if I've only got one day what was the real piece of that you, you come down into your heart yeah from away from the ideas in the head to the heart just to feel grateful just to let gratitude come up just to feel i don't mind anymore that's finished just to be able to do that just to be able to sense uh, um, may you be well may you be well yeah, rather than have to go and visit da 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 da, da that, that may happen, but right now we want to say, touch it right now. Mm. So every day is a completion, and uh, when you really fully access the heart, you realize your life is already complete. It's complete, it's finished, it's perfect. Now we've stopped time and now that perfection is going to be tested with this appearance of changing conditions. <laughs> Seeing which ones we're going to get. <laughs> How we're going to jump. Which way the cat's going to jump. <laughs> And interesting, isn't it? Something to learn here. Something to learn here. Some way in which that heart can manifest, bring itself forth into specific points, details, but at a time. Some way in which I can look at my assumptions and programs, something to learn here. And then, yeah, it's life is a, a great game, a great play, a great wonder. When we live in the heart, it's not a burden. So just kind of bringing those two together, you know, the reflections on passing, passing away, of beings. So the Buddha's, uh, one of his great realizations you know, seeing the endless arising and passing away of beings, faring on in accordance with their karma, and then maintaining within that your own sense of here and now, here and now, fully extending into your body, touching the ground, feeling the body coming out of its contracted state, 
sort of a cultivation heart coming out of its contracted state fully here with this and so then we let ourselves be touched by life And then you have body, heart, you have imminent death and great fruition at the same time, same place. Boundless heart and immediate death. (laughs) (laughs) So those are all true. The true senses, aren't they, to tune into. And as who you are will not be this way for another moment. It's continually, it's passing. But what's always here, and how does that, when it touches the world of change, how does the heart stay steady and include all that? And then what comes from there? This is the ongoing theme of practice. 